All right, I'd like to invite your attention to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, we're going to be in chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14, and we will read one verse there in Joshua chapter 14. And we stand for the reading of God's word as well in our church. And if you're not able to, we certainly understand that. Joshua chapter 14 and verse number 14, the Bible says, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And uh, just to consider that once again, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Let's pray and ask the Lord for his enabling tonight and that he would meet with us. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to be here at Riverside Baptist Church. Very grateful for this place, Lord, for these people and their their love for you. It's very evident. I'm so thankful for the friendships through the many years. We, my wife and I were able to build with many of these dear folk. They mean so much to us, and so thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to preach once again here, and I just ask for your enabling to say what you would have me to say, that, Lord, would be a challenge to each and every one of us in our faith and fellowship to you. And so, God, we, again, thank you for this time and pray for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The obtaining of divine blessing is a two-way street. However, we often forget that important truth, don't we? Therefore, we are quick to blame God for any lack in our life and ignore our spiritual responsibilities as though they did not exist. Hebron was a very special place. It was a special blessing geographically. It was also the burial place of Abraham and Sarah. It was a place where Abraham spent much time. It was also a place where giants lived. Giants that Caleb wanted to take on for the last 45 years of his life. If you remember in Numbers chapter 13 and chapter 14, Caleb was one of the two spies that wanted to conquer, wanted to go in and possess the land of promise, but was never allowed to because of the unbelief of the nation of Israel. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 7 tells us a lot about this man Caleb, who ultimately did get to go in to possess the land, who wanted to possess the land to begin with. And here in Joshua chapter 14 and verse 7, the Bible says, Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. As it was in mine heart. The will of God had become the heart's desire of this man, Caleb. It was in his heart from the very beginning, and 
From the moment that he saw the promised land, he wanted it. He wanted to possess it. And really, you know, you don't really see much in the Bible that they were supposed to go in and fight for the land. God told them they were to go in and possess the land. God was going to do the fighting for them. Amen for that. Caleb trusted God and believed God, and he wanted to go in and possess that wonderful land, and it was in his heart to do that, and it had been in his heart for the last 45 years. That's something, isn't it? That desire never left Caleb's heart for all those years. Every carcass that lay in the wilderness journey that refused to believe God just seemed to renew Caleb's resolve that much more. I mean, one carcass closer each funeral. I I can just imagine uh, Caleb, yes, another one bites to dust. One carcass closer to the promised land. Caleb, along with Joshua, is now one of the only ones left of that previous generation. He was perhaps 20, even 30, 40 years older than all the rest. His age had changed. The people had changed. Even their leader had changed to Joshua. But one thing had not changed, and that was his heart. His heart had never changed. Why? Because the Bible tells us that he wholly followed the Lord as God. Wholly followed the Lord as God. And God and Moses, Caleb himself, and Joshua all claimed that Caleb wholly followed the Lord, his God. And so I I want us to notice what this means. To wholly follow the Lord. I believe, number one, it speaks of duration, doesn't it? Duration. Holy means all the time, doesn't it? I mean, completely and all the time to wholly follow the Lord. It is not part-time devotion, but it's whole-time devotion that gains God's blessings. Amen? And, And you know what? God expects that of each and every one of us, doesn't he? that we would wholly follow the Lord our God, that we would not be part-time Christians, but that we would be whole-time, all-the-time Christians, right? Certainly. It means much more than a Sunday morning commitment to church, but also a Sunday night commitment and a Wednesday night commitment to the Lord as well. And I doubt that the preacher would have ever had to wonder where Caleb would be. Amen? Amen? When it's church night, the preacher never wondered where Caleb was at. Never had to wonder. Never had to wonder if Caleb was sitting in front of the TV set watching the Super Bowl. We never have to worry about that, right? It would mean a commitment to devotion every day and even when you are on vacation. Amen? We, you know, we need, there's times when we need to take a vacation. Isn't that right? Get away from the job and, uh, oh, you know, that it's good to take a vacation, but it's never good to take a vacation from God. And it's unfortunate that many Christians, when they go on vacation, they even take a vacation from God. You know, one of the things you, th- you should do when you go on vacation is find out where you're going to go to church while you're there. I love to go to church when I'm va- on vacation. 
I enjoy seeing how churches do things and how they do things differently and get to listen to different preachers. That's an exciting part of vacation for me. It's a wonderful time. But, but Caleb was the kind that would crawl in sick before he would call in sick. That was the kind of man that he was. He, was, he wholly followed the Lord, his God. Holy. Caleb was the kind that might retire from a secular task, but he would have never retired from a spiritual task. Amen? I think uh, all, all of those who are seniors in here tonight, uh, maybe you retire from your job. Brother Elms just retired from working at Altec, and praise the Lord for that. Congratulations to him for that. But even though we may retire from our secular responsibility, we never retire from our responsibility to the Lord. Amen? We should continue to serve the Lord and be faithful to the Lord. And you know what? We may not be able to drive a bus anymore. And sometimes that's good, right? Sometimes that's pretty good. Uh, But you know what? We can always do something for God. We ought to be always, each and every person, it doesn't matter how old you are, we're talking about duration here. Amen? If you're going to wholly follow the Lord, you're not going to just follow him while you're young. You're going to follow him when you're old, too. You're going to be serving the Lord. You can be a prayer warrior. You can be a usher. You can, there's lots of different things that you can do for the Lord. But we should always be serving God. Every senior ought to be serving God. Every young person ought to be serving God. Caleb was 85 years young, and he was still ready to fight. He was, real, he was still ready to tackle the mountain. Amen? It was in his heart. And when it's in your heart, you can't help but want to do what God wants you to do. And so I think this word holy speaks of duration. I think it also speaks of difference as well. Holy means to follow the Lord whether others do or not. Whether others do or not. Caleb knew this experience very well, didn't he? His report about the promised land and God's ability to conquer it was different from all the rest, wasn't it? Different. It was a minority report, different from the majority report, but he gave it anyway and he stood by it. We should go up and we should possess that land. It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what the majority's doing. We need to go possess the land. That's what God told us to do. God will give it to us. God is good, amen? God will give us that land. He told us to possess that land, and that's what I'm going to do. I don't care what anybody else is doing. If you're a young person, you should be serving God no matter what the rest of the gang's doing. I'm serious. God will always win out. God will always win in the long run. I mean, there's such a, There's such a temptation to want to fit in. There's such a temptation to blend in. But when we're serving God and doing right and trying to live according to the Bible, we often, our life often condemns the life of our buddies, doesn't it? Right? And we're we're tempted to cave in. But listen, young people, don't you dare cave in. You keep serving God. You be faithful to God, and you'll find that God is faithful. you'll you'll find that doing right and living for God is the only way to do it. 
even if sometimes it doesn't look like the best way to do it or the easiest way to do it, I'm telling you, down the road, you'll know, I'm, you'll say, I'm glad I stayed faithful to God. I'm glad. I remember when I got saved, uh, I had long hair down to here when I got saved. It was back in the 70s. Came to know the Lord as my personal Savior. It's parted down the middle. That's what all the cool kids did. Right? I, I saw a picture not too long ago. My hair parted down the middle and down the here, and I had bell bottoms on. Bell bottoms. Can you believe that? And, and I, had a, I had a shirt on that said, I lived in Indiana. It said, Indiana's is for lovers. <laughs> that was really cool. <laughs> I got saved, came to know the Lord, and I'm telling you, it changed my life. I didn't understand it all. I did not understand what all was going on in my life, but God was changing my life. I remember my youth pastor, he said, come on, Quentin, we're going to go get a haircut. Knowing that I'd have to go back to the public school, you know. We're going to get a haircut, okay. So we went. I, I sat down in the chair, and, and it was a, in this little bitty town, there was a woman barber. It's a woman barber back then. And so I sit down, and she starts cutting my hair. And instead of looking at me and saying, what do you think? She looked at the youth pastor. I think they had an agreement before this happened. She looked at him, and, and he goes. <laughs> and so she went back to work, you know, cutting away. But, you know, I let that happen. Because God was working in my heart. And you know what? I went back to school and, and you know, you get a little bit of grief over it. And, and your friends, they say, man, you got Jesus or something, you know, and call you preacher or whatever. But I want you to know, before I got out of high school, before I left the high school, that guys were coming to me and asking me about the Lord. And, and I was able to give them tracts and different things. And uh, I'm, I'm just saying... You need to stand. Amen? You need to stay faithful to God. Go all the way with God and be different from this world. Listen, this world needs something different than what they have. How can they get to where they need to be if all they're ever offered is where they're at? Be different and let God use your life. God can't use you if you're just like them, but he can use you if you'll be different. If you will be different. And to wholly follow the Lord means you're going to be different. He and Joshua were the only ones that gave a report of faith. They were greatly pressured to go along with the crowd, even to the point that the people decided they were going to stone them. He was different because he had, the Bible says, he had another spirit about him. Another spirit. Look, look there in, in uh, Numbers chapter 14. Just skip over to Numbers real quick. In Numbers chapter 14, and I don't want you to take my word for it, but I want you to take God's word for it. But in Numbers chapter 14, in verse number 24, the Bible says in Numbers 14 and verse 24, I want you to see it. It says, but my servant Caleb, because he had, a, he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. 
he had another spirit about him. Everybody looked at Caleb and said, man, he's different. There's something different about him. Amen? And, and that's the way it ought to be. For God's people, there ought to be something different about you. There ought to be something different about you at work. There ought to be something different about you at school. There ought to be something different about you. Amen? And so it speaks of being different. It, it, it means, you know what it, it means? You're not going to be a complainer. You're not going to be a murmurer. Right? You're not going to be a murmurer, complainer, a moaner, and a groaner about everything. You're not going to be a big crybaby when things don't go your way. God is annoyed by murmuring and complaining. Did you know that? God is annoyed by that. In fact, if you, if you just do a study of the book of Numbers, you'll see many times when the children of Israel on, the, on this wilderness journey, you will see many times where they murmured and complained, and that they not only murmured and complained, but usually it was murmuring and complaining against the man of God, wasn't it? Griping, griping at Moses and everything wrong that Moses was doing and trying to absurd, assert his authority. And, and, and one time uh, we know uh, that God sent plagues. In, in the book of Numbers, God sent plagues on, on more than one occasion. And thousands of these people during this wilderness journey died because of those plagues. But the reason for those plagues was because they were murmuring and complaining and griping. Amen? There were times when God, there was one time they were complaining and griping against Moses and trying to assert his authority. And, and, and Moses said, all right, everybody, you need to stand back. Stand back, everybody. Stand back. And the Bible says that the ground opened up and swallowed Korah and his bunch up. I'm, I'm just saying, God is annoyed by murmuring and complaining. God is annoyed by a spirit of unbelief. Right? And not only that, but uh, there was another time when they were griping and complaining, and God sent snakes among the people. And the snakes began to bite them, and, and they were dying. And then God said, Moses, you need to uh, uh, make a serpent of brass, a serpent, and put it up on a pole. And if anybody will look to that when they have been bitten, they will live. Wonderful picture of the cross, amen? But God sent snakes because they were murmuring and complaining and doing all of those things. There's another time when uh, uh, Miriam and Aaron were griping against Moses and said, hey, God isn't just speaking to you only. He's speaking to us too. And God sent leprosy. Miriam became a leper because of that. And, and, uh, and Aaron begged Moses to pray to God that, that God would take that leprosy away. And, and you know what God did? God said, well, you know, uh, she's going to have to just go through what everybody else goes through that gets leprosy. And, and God took the leprosy away, but she was made, he, he said, let her, God said, let her 
And what she was supposed to do was be quarantined for like seven days, and then she had to be declared clean by the priest before the whole camp of Israel could move on and go to the next place. And so the whole entire nation of Israel had to wait for seven years or seven days on Miriam to be declared clean. Boy, that must have been humiliating. I wonder if she complained and griped. I don't think, I don't remember her ever complaining and murmuring and griping anymore after that. God also used time. He sent time to kill the rest of them. Forty years of time to kill the rest of them. Because of their murmuring and their complaining, because of their unbelief, the murmuring and the complaining comes because of our unbelief. Right? Not able to trust the Lord. Not able to let God do what only he can do. And, and so Caleb, he was different. You know, Hebron blessings come to those who stand true and do not desert to unbelief and walk as all the others do. That's the only way Hebron blessings come. And so we see it also speaks of difference. Duration, difference. It also speaks of difficulties. This thing of holy. If you're going to wholly follow the Lord, you're going you're gonna to have to follow him no matter what comes your way. Amen? Holy involves following the Lord when it is difficult to follow the Lord. Following the Lord when there are obstacles in your way. Following the Lord when something, some tragedy happens in your life. You still are going to follow the Lord. Great blessings came with much effort, and much effort always faces much difficulty. It seems like in the ministry, any time you try to do something for God, there's going to be difficulty. There's going to be opposition. Satan is not going to just let you do whatever God wants you to do. There's always going to. It seems like in the ministry, everything has to be done the hard way. Difficulties come. And you can't wholly follow the Lord if you give up when the difficulties come, when the disappointments come, when the opposition comes. Great blessings come to those who will just trust the Lord through the problems. Caleb possessed this mountain. Listen, mountain, it's not the easiest thing to possess, is it? A mountain which was filled with giants and filled with walled cities was filled with obstacles that they had to overcome. He did not ask for an easy piece of land to conquer in the land of Canaan. He wanted the mountain. Not just something that was easy. He simply wanted the best, and the best has a holy price tag on it that few people are willing to pay. Few Christians are willing to pay. Joshua wanted a mountain. He didn't want a molehill. Amen? Too many saints are satisfied with a molehill instead of a mountain. They then complain that they lack mountain-type blessings as though it was God's fault. God wants more for you than just a molehill Christian life. God wants you to have a mountain experience for a Christian life. 
God wants you to have a victorious Christian life. God wants you to have an abundant Christian life. But it's going to take wholly following the Lord even when it's difficult. Even when it's very difficult. They, they settled, many of them were willing to settle for a molehill instead of of a mountain, and God does not want us to have a molehill mentality. He does not want us to have a molehill church building, right? He doesn't want this to be a molehill church building. Uh, I, I was walking around today and looking. This is a, one of the most colorful churches I've ever seen. I can tell you that right now. But looking at the new carpet back there, folks, that's a blessing. That is awesome. That looks great. The redoing the, uh, the, the foyer area, and just all of the things, that, uh, all of the, I don't know what all the stuff on the walls back there, the, the round circles and things, but it's awesome. Just, I, I hear that you're going to be redoing the nursery here before long, redoing the nursery. Listen, God doesn't want a Mohill nursery. Amen? God wants a mountaintop nursery. God, God doesn't want us to settle because God is omniscient and omnipotent and, and, and all-powerful. Amen? That, that God is not limited in any way. God is not limited at all. We're the only thing that limits God. But God wants us to have a mountaintop mentality, not a molehill mentality, and, and, uh, and God doesn't want us to have a Mohill church building or a Mohill outreach program or a Mohill Sunday school program or a Mohill choir or a Mohill giving. He doesn't want Mohill giving. He wants mountaintop giving. Amen? God wants us to be mountaintop Christians, not Mohill Christians. And so often we settle for things that we should not settle for. God wants us to have a mountaintop mentality. And can I brag on the Lord just a little bit tonight? When, uh, when, when Debbie and I left and went up to Sioux City, um, the building was uh, built in 1970, so at that time it was about 50 years old. And... and much of the building had not been touched in 50 years. Uh, I'm serious. The bathrooms had not been touched in 50 years. And, the, and you know what? God has given us some really good people, but they needed leadership. They needed leadership. And, and we, uh, I, I was at a, a preacher's meeting and talking to another preacher, and he said, well, you know, if you want an old church, just fix your auditorium up really nice and all that kind of stuff. But if you want a young church, you better fix the rest of your church up. You better fix the rest of the church up. And so the first thing that we started on was our nursery. That, you know, you're gonna, if your nursery, if you don't have anybody in your nursery, you're dying. You know, it's over, you know. It's over. And so we had a little nursery, and the lady that was taking care of it, she was doing the best that she could. It was outdated and so forth. But 
She was trying to keep it clean and do everything that she could for it. And there was another room right next to it that we decided, well, let's expand over into this room. We're going to expand it over here to another big room. And, and the Lord allowed us to put a bathroom in there. It didn't have a bathroom anywhere near the nursery. And so whenever they would take a child to the bathroom, they'd have to separate from each other and take the child. And then you get into, you know, all these other policy issues. And, 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 and so we, put a, uh, we were able to put a bathroom in the nursery. And, and, and then our, 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 first, uh, our first obstacle, well, we need some carpet to put in here. And I wanted to put carpet tiles down because, you know, if you get one stain, you can just take it up, put a new one down, and boy, you're good to go again, right? Nurseries have a tendency to have stains in the carpet. So, so we, uh, I started getting some prices from places right around town, and they were wanting like $3,000 just for those two rooms. I mean, good night, I'm not doing the Taj Mahal. or You know, it's just these two rooms. And, and so I... I Went ahead, we, we prayed, and I, I got on the internet and, and got on Craigslist and found a, a warehouse up in Sioux Falls. And so I, I drove up there to the warehouse and said, what do you got? We, we're a church, and we, we need to put carpet in our nursery. We'd like some carpet tiles and like to have something with a little bit of color in it. We knew kind of the color we wanted because of how we wanted to paint the walls. And, and he said, well, let me see what we have. And and he went over and he pulled down this, this tile, and it was one of the top four manufacturers for carpet tiles in the country. He said, well, we, we, we have a partial, you know, thing, uh, palette, you know, of these. And I looked at those. It was the perfect color. And even had one little stripe of color that, oh, it would have been beautiful for the nursery. And I said, well, how much? For, and I gave him the total of the square footage, and he figured it out. He said, well... Um, we can sell you those for $330. Woo! I, I said, well, how much for all of them up there? He said, he figured it up, said, about $440. I said, we'll take them. And he said, okay. He said, and, and listen, God is my witness. He said, now, you explain to me the floor that you have. And so, well, if you're going to do this, you're going to need this sealer to put on the floor first. And he walked over to, the, to one of the shelves, and he grabbed this big bucket of sealer, and he brought it over to him, and he set it down and said, you can have it. I said, well, thank you. Th- thank you. And he said, now you're going to need some pressure-sensitive glue if you're going to put this down. I said, well, yeah, yeah. He, he walks over to the, the shelf and grabs a big old bucket of pressure-sensitive glue. That's not cheap. And he sets it down and says, you can have it. <laughs> and, 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 then he, and then he looked at me and said, you know, you're going to need some baseboard to go around this after you put this carpet down, right? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, I guess we're going to need some baseboard. And, and so he walks over to the shelf and he grabs two boxes, a, a total of 240 feet of rubber baseboard. They're good stuff, not the vinyl, but rubber baseboard, and says, here, you can have it. And then he said, then he said, how many transitions do you have? I said, well, I think with the, with the bathroom, we're going to have about four or five. So he goes over and he grabs a bunch of transition. He says, here, you can have it. I said, well, thank you. 
And then he helps me load it up all on my pickup truck. And I take off. I'm on my way back to Sioux City. And I'm thinking, God, what just happened? Isn't that a blessing? And I bet that guy back there in the warehouse was thinking, what just happened? (laughs) Man, I hope the boss doesn't hear about this. (laughs) God is good. And you know what I found? God doesn't want us to. God doesn't want us to settle for the molehill. And if we will just step out by faith and do what God tells us to do, God will pay the bills. God will pay them. Well, we got the carpet done and we got to looking around. And the windows in our church were 50 years old. Never been touched. They were wooden windows, single pane windows in Sioux City, Iowa. Single pane. And right there in this room that we expanded into, there were two big wooden windows, three windows all together and all of it. And one of the windows, all wood frames, and the wood was all rotted out. And one of the window panes were busted out, and somebody put plexiglass in place of that window pane. And there were cracks all over the plexiglass and pieces missing. And you could see where somebody had put duct tape across that window, about that far up the window. And um, said, well, there's no sense in putting a, a pearl necklace on a swine snout, right? We need some windows. And so I got some quotes on windows, looking around and, and they gave me a quote of $2,600 for windows. And I thought, wow, that sounds like a lot for three windows for the nursery. And so we, so I had a friend, so I called the friend. The friend, he said, you know, Brother Vaughn, I was just asking, you know, what do you think about these windows? Are they worth the money? And, and my friend, he said, you know, Brother Vaughn, why don't you just put that, put that aside? And my wife and I, will come down, we'll drive over there. They drove all the way from another state. They drove all the way over just to look at those windows. And uh, this individual owned a window business himself. And, and so he and his wife looked at those windows, and then they began to look at all of the windows around our church building. And they started, pretty soon they're measuring everything and writing figures down and just went around the whole building. And later on that night, we met to go out to eat, and, and he said, no, Brother Vaughn, if we, if we replaced all of the windows in your building, it would be about 35000 plus, you know, to do all of that. He said, but we can do that for half, half of that at our price, at our cost. I said, man, that's awesome, brother. And then he said, but my wife and I, we want to pay half of that. And so they replaced over 40 windows in our church building for that much. We gave them some extra for, fed them, 
while they were there. He came over, brought his whole crew with him. All of the guys came, and they worked like a well-oiled machine. And it's, it's nothing like for a pastor seeing your own members weeping as they're watching what God can do. They're watching what only God can do. And, and they not only put all of those windows in, took all the old ones out, put all the new ones in, they then put metal around the outside of every single one of those windows and caulked them in all real nice, and they just looked beautiful. And then they provided all the wood to trim out the inside, oak wood that was made by the Amish, just, just trimmed everything out on the inside. That's what God can do. I'm just, God doesn't want us to just settle for three windows. God is good. You're right. I, uh, I can tell you about a refrigerator God provided. We, uh, we were, guys, we were sitting around in the kitchen in our, and, and we had one, one refrigerator. It, was, it looked like it's from 1970. And the, even the, the hinges were rusted on it. And you open it up and all the shelves were broken down laying in the bottom, you know. And, and uh, then we had another little refrigerator and I said, guys, we need a commercial refrigerator in here. And they just kind of looked at me. Nobody said much of anything. And, and it wasn't but a week or two later that a lady called and said, Brother, Pastor Vaughn, there's a, a restaurant that's going out of business. And they've got a bunch of kitchen stuff that's for sale. And so I went down and looked at it. And they had this great, big, beautiful uh, commercial refrigerator sitting there. This big true brand, one, you know, one of the popular brands. It's just sitting there. And, and the guy looked at me and he said, well, uh, the compressor's bad in that. I said, well, well, how much do you want for it? He said, how about 400 bucks? I said, sold. So we loaded that thing up and we took it back to the church. And there was a guy that was a, a friend to our church. And, and that's exactly what he did. He did refrigeration work for Hy-Vee stores, different stores like that. And, and so he came over and told me, you know, I can, I can buy a compressor for this for 360 bucks, and I'll put it in for you free of charge, and you just buy the compressor. So by the time it was all over with, we had a commercial, really nice commercial refrigerator for 760 bucks with a new compressor in it. Isn't God good? God is so good. He doesn't want us... To settle for an old refrigerator with rusty hinges and all the shells broken down inside of it. Amen? Yeah. Don't settle for a molehill Christianity. You know, we uh, had a lady trip on our stairs going downstairs. Because we had these tiled stairs with these little bullhead stair treads that really were pronounced. And she, her high heel hooked one of them and twisted her ankle, ended up having surgery, and, and I thought, we need to do something about these stairs. And uh, I was talking uh, to that fellow that was up in Sioux Falls. I said, well, you know, if God can do it once, he can do it again, amen? 
And uh, so I asked him, how can we do our, redo our stairs? You know, help me to understand how we can do this. And he's, I said, well, I've got, he said, how many stairs do you have? I said, we've got about 40 stairs that we need to put, do something to them. He said, well, you know what? I've got, a, I've got a bunch of stair treads on a shelf back over here. They're hard to sell after you've already, you know, uh, used most of them. And, and I'll see what I got back there. And, and they were full stair treads that they're probably about $80 to $100 a piece. Really good ones. And so, I, uh, so he went back there and counted them. And guess how many he had? He had 43 of them. Because God knows I make mistakes, amen? <laughs> he had 43 of them. Isn't that good? I mean, that's probably over $4,000 that he just handed to us. Just handed them to us. Well, I'm just saying that God doesn't want us to settle for a molehill Christianity experience. God wants us to desire that mountain just like Caleb did. Amen? And, and so, you know, you have to wholly follow the Lord when you see the difficulties, when you see the obstacles, when you see the, the problems. You still have to follow the Lord. Amen? Wholly follow the Lord. It also speaks of dedication. Dedication. And, you know, before I go on there, Philip told me about the fact that you guys just voted to redo your parking lot. Is that right? You voted to do your parking lot. I want to say, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm upset that you didn't do it when I was here. <laughs> do you know how much time it took, especially when we first came over here, to keep the weeds from growing in that stupid parking lot? Do you know how many cracks were in that parking lot? It's almost turning to grass over here. And you'd spend hours and hours and gallons and gallons of these mixtures trying to figure out what will kill the weeds and keep them from coming back. Amen? I'm thankful that you guys have done that. You know what? If you step out and do what's right, God will pay the bills. God will take care of it. You don't have to worry about that if you're doing what God wants you to do. You know what? When people drive on this property, what's the first thing they see? They see the parking lot. Amen? That's the first thing they walk on is your parking lot. That's important. It really is important. And when people come to this place, they need to see that something important is going on here. And when they can see a brand new parking lot out there, they're going to say, you know what? These people are serious. There's something serious going on here. There's, I, I better find out what this is. I, I'm just thankful that you're doing that, stepping out by faith. And we have watched God do this over and over and doing things over and over again. Uh, we've had people pour concrete for free for us up there. And I, I'm talking about some pretty good slabs of concrete for us. Free! I'm just saying God will pay the bills if you just do the right thing. Amen? Don't settle for a molehill anything. Ask God for the mountain. But it also speaks of dedication. Holy involves dedication. 
Divine blessings are often given in relation to one's dedication to God. You know, small dedication equals small blessings. God give us a heart that craves the mountain, amen? And a heart that believes the promises. A heart that only listens to the faithful, not to the faithless. Eyes that only see God and not grasshoppers and giants and gates. But God. You see, God, you know, they said in, in the passage there that, oh, well, look at it there in, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33, it says, And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. You know why they were grasshoppers in the sight of those giants? They were grasshoppers in the sight of those giants because they were grasshoppers in their own sight. Amen? But we're talking about dedication. Eyes that only see God and not the grasshoppers, the giants, the gates. It is always a holy problem when we come up short of Hebron blessings. God wants us to be holy Christians, holy moms, Holy dads, holy children, holy homes, holy church members, holy servants. Amen? Holy. Caleb's great blessings were not accidental. They were the product of a whole dedication to the Lord. I wonder, how about you? What kind of a Christian are you? Have you wholly given yourself to the Lord? Are you wholly following the Lord your God? Do you have a different spirit about you than all the rest? What is in your heart? It was in Caleb's heart for all those years to take that mountain. What's in your heart? Are you doing your part? Or are you holding back on the Lord? You either have whole faith or you have weak faith. There, you know, those who would not wholly follow wondered foolishly, through the desert, didn't they? Because they would not wholly follow, they wandered foolishly. You know, what should have been, what should have taken them 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to the plains of Moab, right across, right at the edge of the promised land, what should have only taken them 11 days ended up taking them 40 years. 40 years. I'm telling you, unbelief will cost you precious years of your life. Unbelief, it will cost you. Listen, don't settle for a mohill Christianity. Only settle for the mountain, brother, sister. Only settle for the mountain. Let's all stand.